Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 208 and session number 61 of Ask Scott. This is where I answer your questions here on the podcast. You submit them by voicemail. I listen to them and I do my best to answer them. And you guys know that are longtime listeners, this is my favorite part of the week because I get to connect with you. I get to listen to you guys ask questions. And you guys probably heard me also talk about recently, I was in Denver and we had a great time. We was able to meet a lot of the TASers there, the community, and also have one of our own live events, which I was able to meet 30 people that are doing this business and also listeners and just really an awesome time. So I love doing this stuff. You guys know I get all excited about this and a little giddy, right? So wanted to just say thank you so much for submitting the questions. If you have a question you want me to air on the show, go over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. Once again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash ask, and you can do that. You can leave a short voicemail, leave your first name. I'll give you a quick shout out, and uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and listen to your question like we're going to do today. I also wanted to give a little shout out to our Facebook community, our TAS Facebook community. That is, it's amazing. It's growing. A lot of great people in there. If you're not connected over there, please do so. There's a ton of knowledge there. And you can go up in the little search bar if you're if, if you have a question. You can go up to the little search bar inside of Facebook there, inside the group, and you can search for whatever you're looking for, and you'll get a ton of, of uh you know, I guess answers is what I'm trying to say, back at you. And from there, you can go ahead and sift through the ones that, that pertain to your your question or your issue or problem. And then uh, from there, you can kind of engage with those people that were already talking about that topic. All right. So that's the amazing seller.com forward slash FB. So F is in Frank B as in boy. <laughs> and you guys have heard me say that time and time again. So again, that's the amazing seller.com forward slash FB. All right. Uh, one last thing. I just want to remind you that all of the transcripts for this episode and most of the past episodes now have transcripts. So if you wanted to download them, you can head over to this episode or any of the other episodes. This one here is theamazingseller.com forward slash 208, and you'll see the show notes there. There's any links that we've talked about, any resources that we've talked about will be there, and then now there's transcripts that you can either read on that page or you can download them. A lot of people wanted them. We listened. Now you got them, all right? So hopefully you're uh, you're using them, and if you are, let me know. Let me know that you're enjoying the transcripts, all right? So uh, we know that all that hard work that's going into those is uh, is paying off by you being happy because, of course, that's why we're doing them, right? So let's go ahead and uh, let, let's go ahead and get into this. What do you say? Let's listen to the first question of the day, and I'll go ahead and I'll give you my first answer of the day. What do you say? Let's do that. Hey Scott, my name's James. I uh, just wanted to ask you a question when it comes to picking a supplier. Um, have one I'm looking to pull the trigger on. They only seem to do wire transfers or PayPal. Just trying to see some ways to combat this. I know with escrow, you can offer to split the fees with them. I know sometimes that works. I was just seeing if there's any way for me to cover my butt in um, PayPal. Excuse my language. Um, any feedback would certainly be appreciated. Look forward to hearing from you, and thanks again for everything you do. Talk to you soon, Scott. Hey, James, thanks so much for the question, and uh, yeah, I've talked about this uh, quite a bit in the past. Uh, anyone that's uh, on the blog at any time, you can always go there and just search in the uh, field that says search this site, and you'll probably find an answer, uh, but I have recently just, uh, I had a guest on 
that we talked about how to protect your money when ordering product from China. He gives some real examples, some things that he's um, encountered and things that he does now differently. And just to let you know that the best way to really protect yourself is to run it through Alibaba or AliExpress, uh, use their escrow function. That is the best way. But you you would hear in this in this interview, or you will hear if you listen to it, episode one eighty, where I interviewed a gentleman that used uh, Alibaba, and he also used used the Trade Assurance, and he still had some issues. He was able to get his money back, but there was some hoops he had to jump through. So I would advise listening to episode one eighty. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 180, or you can go to the show notes to this episode. You'll find that there, and anything else we discuss will be on the show notes page. But episode 180 is definitely, to me, a must listen. Uh, It's some real examples that he encountered, things that he'll do a little bit differently, and one of the big things is starting small, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but rather than going all in You really need to start slow in a sense that maybe instead of doing a 1,000 units, you start with 300 units or 500 units, right? Cut the risk in half, and then this way here, you can learn how well that company does from, you know, wiring the money or whether using the escrow or the communications or any of that stuff. You can learn a lot by building that trust by doing it, but just on a smaller scale. And that was one thing that he had said. Uh, But definitely listen to that episode. I would just say like right here, if we're talking about wire transfers or escrow or PayPal, PayPal just made a change, I believe, to their terms of service that they are not really going to be protecting us from money that's being sent internationally or at least to China. Um, And again, don't quote me on that, but I thought I just read something on there that they are uh, not being liable for that. So there's not going to be a lot of protection there for you using PayPal as much as it used to be. Now with credit card, that's probably a little bit different, but I think that every credit card will be a little bit different as well. But I do think that it would be, at least it would be an easier way to fight it than to have your money wired into their bank account and then you have nothing to really show for it, right? You have no trail other than the wire transfer and then those people can just run. Um, At our live event, uh, we had a gentleman that shared a story uh, about how he wired, gosh, I think it was like 20K, it was like 20 grand and um, they just kept prolonging the order and prolonging the order. Well, long story short, it was a nightmare that company, the guy that was handling the money, ran off with the money and and like two other people's. He was out there with like eighty grand, and he was he was gone. Um, so those stories are real. Uh, his thing was, uh, yeah, I probably should have started small uh, rather than just jumping in and sending a twenty thousand dollar wire transfer for a deposit. So that would be my advice, my recommendation to anyone that's just starting is number one. Try to start smaller as far as don't go and and send over you know ten thousand dollars your your first run right do something small um, try to use escrow because the escrow to me is really really uh, one of the best ways because they're holding the money in a separate account and it's not released until you say that you've received the goods or until you're happy uh, now you're right some companies don't want to offer that service and to me. 
that could be a sign that you might not want to deal with that company. I would at least try to explore other companies that would accept the escrow and then from there go to them. There's tons and tons of other companies out there that will do the escrow. They're just not as many as people that won't, right? So we might have to look a little bit deeper. Now, I also know that Alibaba just uh, not too long ago, they added a credit card feature that you can pay with credit card. And that's why I think that you should do all of your ordering through Alibaba at this point in time. I would not try to go outside of Alibaba because then what's going to happen is you're kind of off on your own, right? Alibaba will try to help you if you've been, you know, scammed because they don't want that going on them. The minute you go off of, of Alibaba or AliExpress, you're kind of on your own, right? It's like you don't have any insurance policy at all. Not that it's an insurance policy to be on Alibaba, but you are going through their channels. They'll have a record of all, all of your uh, interactions. You'll, they'll have uh, a record of your invoices because all those invoices are sent through them. So I would recommend uh, in the beginning, especially keeping things all under you know Alibaba, AliExpress, or whatever other company that you're using to manage the interaction back and forth and the money transfer back and forth. Um, Western Union, I would not even touch. If you ever see anyone saying that they want to take Western Union, I would not do it. Um, and again, I've just recently did some wire transfers and I've had you know good luck with that, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't nervous and that doesn't mean that I didn't start small. We did smaller orders and now we're starting to build that trust. But in the very beginning and still with a few of the companies that I deal with, we do all escrow. Even though it costs me a little bit more, that's an insurance policy for me. And it also, it keeps them wanting to keep, uh, you know, being on the up and up, right? Because they know that if they don't deliver the product, I can just hold the money or tell them to hold the money and just say, I never received my product or the product that I got was damaged. I've got something to hold over their head versus, you know, going out there and just saying, well, I'm going to give it to you all and I'm not going through Alibaba and, you know, hopefully I'm going to be happy. You know, you might even put a little stipulation in there that says the money's going to be released after my third party inspection company comes in and approves it. That's when the money's going to be fully released as far as even the down payment goes. So you need to work with your supplier. You need to work with your manufacturer, your agent, whoever you're dealing with to really protect yourself. All right. And this may slow down that process just a little bit, but it's worth it. All right. Remember, you know, you're dealing with people you have no idea, no idea who they are and you want to screen them in any way that you can. And it all starts with communications. And then from there, also how willing they are to work with you. And a lot of them are starting to uh, use the Alibaba, the Alibaba uh, credit card uh, system. So maybe you're going to take them up on that instead of the escrow. It's it's better um, than doing nothing. So that's what I would say. So good luck to you. Keep me posted on that. Again, I'd go listen to episode 180. Uh, that one there will help because we talk all about how to protect your money when ordering product from China. And there's some real examples there for you as well. So let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, Scott. My name's Jason. A long time listener, first time caller. Hey, I'm working on setting up my first product and I'm looking on the keywords page you get your search terms which is i understand in the platinum keywords i don't need those the subject matter other attributes intended use and target audience i don't know if you've ever covered these are they important do i need them and what does amazon do with them you help me out thanks i appreciate it hey jason thanks so much for the question your audio was a little 
a little weird. It was breaking up a little bit, but I pretty much made out your question. So let me go ahead and try to tackle this. This is what I think that you were asking is in the back end of our listing, we have options to add certain things to certain fields, right? There's platinum keywords, there's search terms, there's, uh, you know, what kind of you know, people are looking for this or who would it pertain to? It could be a girl, a boy, could be man, woman, could be family, like all of these different things. My first suggestion is this, fill everything out that pertains to your product, okay? So if your product could pertain to a boy, put it in there or a man or a family or whatever. If it makes sense, put it in there. The more information we can fill out the back end, the better we are. We don't know what that's going to do necessarily, but we do know that at least it's there. And if it has any, any, um, you know, reaction or, or any benefit for having it there to the Amazon algorithm, we want it there, right? So I'm not saying go in there and fill out stuff that doesn't make sense. That's not going to help you, right? We don't want to get someone to our listing and then have them be there and be like, oh, well, this has nothing to do with anything, right? And I don't think that would necessarily happen, but you don't want that anyway, right? You only want to pertain your product to pertain and be seen by people that it could benefit or that they would be looking for. So that's the first thing, right? Anything in the back end that we can fill out that pertains to our product, fill it out. All right. Now, the second part of that is the search term fields. Those are, to me, the most important in the back end because those are telling Amazon exactly who this is for. All right. And what search terms you feel that your uh, customer would be searching for. All right. Now, they've just recently updated this where you can now add a thousand characters per line and you get five lines in the back end. All right. Use all of them. Now, you don't want to uh, repeat your words, all right? You don't have to repeat garlic press 10 times, right? Stainless steel garlic press, brown handle garlic press. You don't need to do that. What you want to do is put your most important keywords in the front end. That's what I mean by that is like the front of the start of your search terms, okay? That's what I do. And mainly the first one, because after the first one with a thousand characters, you're gonna start seeing, it's gonna be hard to come up with random words that could pertain to your product. So what I've done, and I still do, is I'll take all of the keywords, whether it's doing a Google Planner search, whether it's using, um, let's see, if, if it's using Keyword Inspector, if it's using just the front end stuff that my competitors have, and I'm just grouping all of this stuff into like this giant bucket of keywords, what I'll do then is I'll dedupe them. So any words that are re- that are repeated, it'll strip them out, and it'll only give me the single keywords that have not been said again and again and again, right? So now what we can do is we can take those and then we can sort them if we want to and say, okay, let's take the first line, the first the first search term field and let's make that one as laser focused as possible so it makes the most sense. After that, you can randomly put in the leftover ones in the second, third, fourth, and fifth one They're still going to want to make sense, right? They're not going to want to be, you know, just a character. They're going to want to be something that could fit with one of the other keywords, whether it's on the front or the back of that line, all right? But I know your question was, you know, how much attention should we, you know, pay to some of these different fields? The truth is, wherever you can put data, 
that could tell Amazon what your product is and who it's for, put it in there. But the main ones you wanna focus on are those five fields for your search terms, all right? Those are, are the main ones. The other thing that you can do to run a test, in a sense, is when you run Amazon pay-per-click, whether you're going to run it for short-term or long-term, it doesn't matter. If you go in and create an ad for that product or those variations, whatever it is, and you wanna go and see how well your uh, Amazon listing is being identified by Amazon for these keywords, just run it as a suggested keyword campaign. And then what it's gonna do is Amazon's gonna go and it's gonna look at your listing and it's going to tell you what keywords you could be and should be uh, being seen for. And then that's gonna tell you, okay, I'm being seen for 10 keywords. That's not really that good, you know, because you should be showing Amazon that you have a lot of keywords that you could be pertaining to in certain words. So you want to be able to have at least 50, but, you know, I've had as many as 500. Uh, it really just depends on how many keywords it picks up. And that can change over time too. But when you do this and then you're able to run that, that little test there, it's going to help you know that if you're relevant or not, and it's also gonna tell you if you have room to improve. Um, so that's just one little trick there for you. But to kind of go back to your main question, fill out as much information there that pertains to your product and your listing, but the main one that you wanna focus on on the back end is your search terms. And of course, I mean, there's other aspects of the back end, but we're talking about keywords right now, so that's what I would that's what I would focus on there. So hopefully that's been helpful. I know I kind of had a mouthful there, but uh, again, this is a pretty important uh, topic because if you can't be found, then you're not gonna be seen, and if you're not seen, you're not gonna have people be able to buy your product, right? So this is pretty big, and this also helps us rank. It also helps us uh, be relevant for pay-per-click and all that good stuff too. So anyway, that's it. That's going to wrap up that question. So hopefully that's been helpful. Keep me posted on how that works for you. All right. So let's go ahead and listen to another question and I'll give you my answer. Hey, hey, what's up, Scott? This is Amelia. I am from Argentina, but I am living in London. I love your podcast. I think it's great. I've been learning a lot and taking action as well. And I am in the process of... Um, placing an order and my question is um, when you ask um, for a supplier um, different questions and then they want to reply to you on your email um, they obviously the communication gets better when I do it on my email but then um, I would like to place the order through Alibaba to have the same um you know, all the um, assurance that Alibaba will give you. And so basically my question is, um, do you always, uh, have you always placed your orders through Alibaba or, um, or at least the first one, then the rest you, you de dealt with the suppliers uh, through your email? I don't know. I find it um, a little bit scary because it's my first one. <laughs> um but yeah, I think it, um, it it helps the communication to to go through my email. Um, yeah, basically that's it for now. I I love your podcast. Thank you for all the amazing work you're doing, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Hey, Amelia, thank you so much for the question. And this kind of goes back to the first question that I answered. It's it's similar. Uh, it's not exact, but it's similar. And again, 
whenever you think about going off of, of Alibaba, you run the risk of getting scammed, right? So especially, especially, and I need to highlight this, I need to really let you guys know that you are running a risk by going off of Alibaba or one of these platforms uh, when you decide to go and start communicating off of those platforms. Now, I'm not saying that you can't communicate with your with your agent or your supplier through Skype or through email. That's fine. The main thing that I'm really saying here is when you start to transfer money or talk money or any of that stuff, you really want that stuff inside of that platform so you have a running record of it. I know you have emails and you can kind of go back with the emails, but Alibaba is going to want that stuff. So this way here, it's a case that they have against their, uh, you know, their supplier that, you know, the people that are using their site, they don't want, you know, you to have any risk. And they're doing everything they can to make it a safer environment. But once we jump out of that environment, we are at risk, right? So my advice to you, especially anyone that's brand new, stay inside the platform, do your communications inside the platform, and any money that you want to send, try to send it through that platform as well. And like I said, whether it's escrow or whether it's using their their Alipay now, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you keep things inside of there to protect you at least the best the you know the best way possible right now. So that's what I would recommend to you. Again, anyone that is brand new, also I'll go back to saying start small as far as like maybe do a few test orders, make sure that you see that uh you know they are going to uphold their end of the bargain. And also you want to do a little back search. Maybe you do a little bit of research on that company that you're dealing with. And maybe you look at, again, hopefully that you're doing what I've said in the past is look at only gold suppliers, maybe gold suppliers that are at least two years old on Alibaba and they haven't had any complaints against them. Like those are different things that I would want to make sure, especially, especially when you're brand new. So hopefully that's helped you. Again, take it slow at that point. And uh, and really, the other, the, I guess the last thing I should say here too, again, is you know if your supplier that you're dealing with doesn't offer escrow or doesn't offer uh, credit card payments or anything like that, you may need to start looking outside of that one and then finding another one. Uh, you know, and I know a lot of us are looking inside of Alibaba and that's good, but you know, you may need to look elsewhere and then hopefully they're on Alibaba, uh, because, uh, you can, what you can do here, and this is something that was discussed at our live event is going out and finding an agent on your own by going to like Upwork or, uh, you know, any other VA hiring service, like a, you know, virtual assistant but Upwork is probably one of the easiest right now, and a few of the people that attended are doing this, and what they do is they hire an agent that goes out and finds either other agents or other suppliers, and that's all they do, and they're also going to be able to align you with reputable businesses that do accept these different payments, because now what they're going to do is they're going to do all of the legwork for you, so again, if you wanted to I guess, dabble in this, you could go over to Upwork and hire someone, put in a request. Upwork will allow you to uh, put out like a job request out there and then people will bid on the job. You could pay them, you know, 10 bucks an hour or whatever. Um, And then from there, they'll do the work for you to find the better suppliers. And some of these are on Alibaba, some of them aren't, but they also will find the ones that will accept these different payment options for you. So just, just another option I want to throw out there that we talked about at the live event. So 
Uh, all right, let me uh, let me do something a little different here. Uh, that's going to be it for the voicemails. I've got a ton more to get to, uh, by the way, and we're going to be doing these again every Friday. If you guys have a question you want answered, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. What I'm going to do is I'm going to answer a question that was submitted by email. Uh, they tried to leave a voicemail but couldn't, so I wanted to just pull this up and I wanted to go through it real quickly and give the answer because uh, I think it's beneficial to everyone that is listening. So this was the question, all right? I'll actually read the whole thing. Hey, TAS team, I've been listening to the podcast for a while now, and I really want to take action, but I have just a few questions before I jump on board. My wife and I have been looking at various products from Alibaba, AliExpress, and need a little help. So here are our questions. Is there a way to calculate the general expenses before actually starting? Like how much is FBA going to cost? How much are Amazon fees? Uh, let's see. I realize that all of these fees probably differ uh, with how much you sell and purchase, but in general, is there a charge per unit sold? Uh, how much should we charge for our products on Amazon? Say we purchase 300 units for 2,500 bucks, including shipping, shipping and fees. So approximately $8.34 per unit. Should we be doubling or tripling the price on Amazon? Should we sell below what most people are selling? With FBA, if we are ordering from Alibaba or AliExpress, will they, Alibaba or AliExpress that is, ship the product directly to the customer or is it possible to set up us uh, so they send the product directly to one of Amazon's uh, warehouses to do FBA. Uh, so a lot of questions there, right? And I'm going to try to summarize a lot of that, all right? Okay, first off, to find the general expenses, it's pretty much exactly what you said, okay? Now, there's some FBA calculators out there, and I'll link one up in the show notes. It's one that Amazon has. It also will help you identify what the advertising price is for that unit, kind of like what the listing fee will be and, and all that stuff because each category is a little bit different. Some are higher, some are lower. So if you punch in exactly what you're going to be selling, maybe one of your competitors, it'll tell you in that category what the fees will be. So that's that's Amazon, uh, uh, their, their little FBA calculator tool. I'll link that up for you. Uh, so that's one way to kind of figure out those expenses because at first you're not gonna know any of that stuff unless you're already currently selling. But to go back to the product, you're gonna need to figure out exactly how much it's gonna cost for the product to be made at a certain quantity, right? So if you're getting 100 made, it's gonna cost more than if you have 1,000 made. But you need to know those breakpoints. You need to know them ahead of time because you know now that at least if you're buying a product right now and it's costing you more, you know as you scale and you grow that those breakpoints are going to also allow you to make more profit. So right now, if you're only making $8 profit, you know once you're able to buy more with more buying power, you're able to make more profit, then it makes sense to go in right now and make less money, but know that in the future you're going to make more money, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense, all right? So again, we want to figure out how much the product's going to cost us per unit. We want to include all shipping, all customs at all possible, all right? And again, if, you, uh, if you're if you dealing with DHL, you can contact their customs department and they can give you a good idea of what customs are going to cost percentage-wise. Um, they, they can give you an idea. You'll need the code that your supplier will be submitting it, their custom code. They have a custom code per that type of product. And from there, they will go ahead and be able to tell you roughly what the percentage is for customs when it crosses uh, over into the States, all right? Uh, now, are you able to directly ship that product from the manufacturer over there? And the answer is yes, and that will eliminate some cost, okay? But before you do that, there's 
Two different things you can do. One, you can have it inspected on China's side, have a good inspection company. There's one that's been being talked about a lot, and uh, some of our students have been using it. It's called Top Win uh, Inspection. Dot com topwininspection.com. I'll leave the link in the show notes to this episode, but they are doing it. They're doing a really good job. And then from there, then you can ship it. So you'll save the cost being shipped to you and then shipping into Amazon. Um, but again, you might want to start where you have the item shipped to you. You inspect it. And then from there, you ship it. So you're going to take a little bit of a hit on that extra fee. But again, if we know that we can eliminate that fee, we're okay with it. But to go back to answering your question, like if you know that it's going to cost you $8.34 per unit, how much should you want to sell that for? I would say you want to triple that, okay? So you want to be able to sell that for 24, let's just make it easy. Let's just say 24 or 25 bucks, right? That to me would be what I would want to start with, okay? Now, you want to also think to yourself, is this, does this have room to, to go up? right? Because if it can go up as far as how much I can charge, then that gives you a little bit more wiggle room. Now, the other thing that you can say is, well, let's say I can charge 25 bucks now, but I know that 835, I'm going to be able to reduce that to $5 when I start buying more, or when I start getting these systems in place. Well, now that 24 or even 2395 might make sense. All right. But again, you have to kind of think about all of your expenses. I like to think about how can I come out with, with uh, $10 profit at the end of the day. So in this case, if we're paying $8 for that, and we're going to charge 25 I can almost say that my FBA fees at a $25 point are going to probably be about 6 to 7 bucks. So now I'm at $15. So you see, if I add $10 to that, that's where I'm going to be able to come up with 25 or 26 bucks. So that's kind of why I say if you triple it, you're probably okay. Um, if you can add a little bit to that, a little bit of cushion, you're probably better off as well. But again, let's say that I got that at $25 and I can sell it and that those numbers work even if I buy it for $8.34 a unit. Well, if I can reduce my cost to $5 per unit, look at that. I've just added more to my profit without doing anything other than scaling on the back end of things, all right? And then the other question here was, let's see here, with FBA, if we're ordering from Alibaba, uh, if you ship it directly, I already talked about that. So I think I covered everything. I think I covered everything in that question. Uh, and uh, the question came from Danielle. So Danielle, thanks for the question. Hopefully, this gives you guys a good sense of what you need to think about when you are looking at the numbers because it all comes down to the profit, right? It comes down to the profit. Now, we didn't figure in any pay-per-click and really in the beginning, I don't figure in a lot of pay-per-click because that's my promotion phase and once I get that dialed in, then from there, we're only going to be buying traffic that's going to be converting to sales, okay? And again, that a lot of times in the beginning is a way for us to start ranking. So in the beginning, I don't really figure that into the equation um, although you do probably want to figure in a little bit as an ongoing expense. But if you get your margins to where they are $10 per unit, then you've got some room there to use for the pay-per-click marketing. All right, but this is just a general idea of how I do it and how others are doing it. So hopefully this has been helpful. I know it was a little bit of a long-winded answer, but there was a lot of different things there, right? So Danielle, thank you so much for the question. And again, anyone else that has a question they want to submit to the podcast to have me answer it on a live podcast like this or a recorded podcast, this is live right now that I'm recording it, but it's not live that when you're listening to it, right? It's, well, it's live that day. You guys get what I'm saying. So uh, <laughs> if you guys want to submit a question, head over to the amazing seller.com forward slash ask and you can do that. 
I wanna also, again, remind you guys, if you're brand new and this is your first time to the show, I wanna welcome you. I love hanging out with you guys. This is just awesome to be able to virtually connect like this, and that's why I love the Ask Scott sessions. But if you are brand new and you're just getting your feet wet and you don't understand the entire process, the entire business model, I would recommend attending one of my live free workshops. This is where I break it down for you in five phases. How to pick a market and a product, how to source it, how to do a pre-launch, how to do a launch, how to promote the product, and everything in between. We go over that on a workshop and uh, we we go through every single thing. We also do live Q&A. So if you want to attend one of them, I would love to invite you to the next one and you can register for the next one by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop and you can register there for an upcoming workshop all right so guys that is going to wrap it up this has been amazing i love doing these and to everyone that i met in denver once again you guys are awesome and everyone that is uh listening you guys are awesome as well so thank you so much and just do me a favor share this with people that you think would get value from this podcast that's all i ask and uh, that would be amazing so guys that's it that's going to wrap it up remember as always i'm here for you I believe in you and I'm rooting for you, but you have to, you have to, come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, take action. Have an awesome, amazing day and I'll see you right back here on the next episode.